Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello and welcome today to this episode of Your Ultimate Life, uh, the podcast dedicated to help you figure out how to create a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy by serving with your divine gifts. Grateful today to have a special guest with me, John Mendez. Welcome to the show. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Just from our little conversation before I hit record, it definitely was something that uh, sparked some excitement within me. So I'm excited to see where this conversation takes us today. This is fabulous. So I love the reason I ask even just a couple questions was to just stoke the stoke the energy a little bit. And we did. And you told me some really important things. One of the things you told me was you've started on this journey of taking ownership of your life and doing, you know, taking responsibility and ownership a lot younger than most. So tell me what happened. Tell me a little bit about how that started uh, for you at this age. Yes. Yeah, so I always like to preface my story by saying the reason I see further than most is because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. Now, allow me to take you into the time travel machine so we can flash back a little bit. I grew up in the projects. It was nine of us in a two bedroom. My mother suffered from mental health issues. So growing up as a kid, it's very hard to kind of grasp those things and understand why the mom you wanted isn't the mom that's in front of you. And so that was very hard to understand as a kid. My dad was absent growing up. Money was always tight. Never really had a, a role model per se. We lived on Section 8. My grandparents from that immigrated from the Dominican Republic raised me. And they don't know a lick of English. So definitely didn't have the most luxurious or lavish upbringing. And for me, when they would always ask in school, like, who's my role model? And I would always, as a fiddler, put in my grandmother. But in all reality, I never really had a role model. So growing up, I was very open-minded. And I just tried to take in the best parts of what I've noticed from other people and implement those into my life. And the parts that I didn't like, I would try to leave out. And I kind of just did that as I kept on growing up and growing up and experiencing my own life and live my, my own life. Along the way, I st- around third grade, I started going to church. That helped me out in terms of navigating the process. And then I'd say it was probably around middle school, early high school is when it started to really develop the, the wisdom, I guess, started to develop. And it started with the philosophical chairs we had in class. And it always asks us, like, what's your favorite ice cream? I mean, favorite dessert, right? Uh, brownies or ice cream. And I prefer brownies, right? But I would go on the side with less people sometimes. And just so I could put myself into other person's shoes and argue for that other side. Because it'll be, it's not fun to argue when it's like the whole entire class is on one side. And so I'd, I'll be that one guy that just went on the other side just because. And so that started to develop as I got older. And then for me, uh, somewhere along those years, I came to the realization that once you're of conscious age to make decisions, everything that happens in, into your life in your life is entirely on you. And just started to implement that into the way I live my life. And then around my, it was my 12th grade year of English is when my English teacher, he would have randomly go off curriculum. And he one day mentioned this quote called uh, by Plato's Allegory of the Cave. And it was the duty of the enlightened is to enlighten the unenlightened. And then from there, that kind of opened my mind and 
really started becoming a lot more intentional with my life. And it wasn't until college during the pandemic, though, that I got into this entrepreneur space where I started my podcast and started everything. And once I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, my paradigm shifted and I realized that there was another way of viewing the world. It wasn't being taught in my environment. It wasn't being taught in school. That wasn't being taught at home. And so from there, it was like, okay, let me start learning more about this stuff. And let me start helping others learn about more about this stuff. And I've just been super focused, but not the whole time. I have I've had shiny object syndrome along the way, but super intentional about helping other people for the most part. And that's kind of how I got to where I'm at. You know, one of the things you said is interesting, and that is someone that grew up in the circumstances, you said in the projects, nine people in a two-bedroom or two-room apartment or two-bedroom. Yeah, yeah, two-bedroom apartment. Two-bedroom apartment, well, nine people's a ton, no matter what you do. But anyway, yeah. <clears throat> a lot of people could have become bitter or negative or angry at the world or the government or God or whoever, and you didn't do that. Why not? I think the biggest reason is because there's a certain level of ignorance as a child that you have. And they always say ignorance is bliss, right? And this is a lot of truth behind that because you don't know what you don't know. And when you're a kid and you're brought up into this, the only way you would know that's how life isn't supposed to be is if you had something to compare it to. And I didn't. That's just how life was. So being brought up in that, I, I use it as a story, but I, you don't use it as a crutch because I genuinely enjoy growing up in the hood. Like that was fun for me, like growing up, not having much. There was, you know, of course, times where we had to boil water to take showers sometimes because you didn't have any hot water. It's like, that's just how I thought life was. That, that's just what we did, kind of. We, we, that was just our life. So for me, growing up in that, I never had something to compare it to. And they, are, they always say, I'm sure you heard of this, and the audience always hears it, comparison is a thief of all joy. When there's nothing to compare to, there's no nothing that can really make you feel better about it. It's like, that's just kind of how life was. And kids are naturally positive, most of, pretty much all of them. It's like, I was just a happy kid all the time. It wasn't until later on in my life where I started doing a lot more reflecting and looking within myself that I realized, like, we struggled a lot more than we probably needed to or had to. And, oh, I mean, that was not like we had much. So we didn't have the means to put ourselves in a better situation or else we would have. It's like, as a kid growing up, that's kind of just how life was. And it wasn't until I got older that I realized that, hey, yeah, we definitely grew up in an environment struggling. And then it wasn't until I had to rework some of the limiting beliefs I had within me, especially getting into the entrepreneurship space, that I realized like, hey, yeah, my upbringing as a child, it helped me out a ton, but there's a lot of things that I still am working on that, that I got to get over in order to get to where I want to get to. So you've said something that I want to, that's part of this whole ultimate life process, because you said I had to work on limiting beliefs. What's a limiting belief and where do they come from? What does it mean to work on one? Yeah, so I think there's two parts to mindset that everyone talks about. And I think the most important part is the reflection part. And then there's a transformational part, right? The reflection part, that's like the self-mastery. That's like learning yourself, mastering the self. And a limiting belief, the way I think it's, I guess, simplest, the simplest way to describe it is pretty much a belief that doesn't serve who you're trying to become. It's your, it's your past self's response to the person that you're becoming and not being able to keep up with the transformation that you're going through, right? It's, it's just your past self. That's all it is. Your past self imposing its thoughts on the person you're becoming because it can't keep up with it. 
That's I what, how that. I would describe a limiting belief. Yeah, and you're I think we, Yeah, and so I think that every ceiling that we have in life is built by us, whether we realize it or not. It could be subconsciously. It could be consciously. But we built up every ceiling and every obstacle, for the most part, that we have to break through. And then figuring out how the ceiling was built is one big part of the process. And kind of then figuring out how to break through it is a whole different part of the process. But a lot of the time, it's like we put these limiters on ourselves and we hold ourselves back. And it's not until you kind of break free that you realize that houses are only built with roofs and ceilings if you want to put a roof and ceiling on them. So realizing that if you don't build any roof or don't build any ceilings, that pretty much there's no limit to where you can take it. So I love that. And here's a, there's one question that I ask almost every guest. And that is this. Uh, I have a definition. I define having an ultimate life as a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy that you create by serving with your divine gifts. How would John define the ultimate life? The ultimate life? I don't... I think your answer really hits it on the money. I'd say, put it in my own words, it's the ultimate life is a fulfilled life. I think with fulfillment, that only comes from being a service to others. It's something about being a service to others, that feeling that you get that you can't replicate from anything else. It's a, it's a certain feeling that you get from knowing that what you're putting into the world is helping others out. And then seeing that manifest, it's like that feeling that you get there, it's like it's super satiating. Whereas winning a championship or getting that new car or hitting that, you know, that goal, that makes you extremely happy. But I equate it to eating a chocolate chip cookie, right? It tastes good in the moment. You're super happy, but you're still hungry. A fulfilled life is like eating a nice hearty, you know, chicken, uh, some chicken breast, rice, like a hearty meal, some Brussels sprouts and some veggies. Like that's that satiates you. So a satiated life versus the chocolate chip cookie, which is just you know, super superficial. It's very short term. So I think the ultimate life is a fulfilled life and you can only be fulfilled by helping others. So I have to agree in our earlier combo, just before we started, you talked about being older than your years and that people have told you that. And the things you're saying right now certainly reflect that my experience. And I didn't learn it until I was a lot older than you are. And that is the truth that you just said that we're happiest when we are in love and service of others and that we're we're built that way i mean like we are our divine creator however people imagine that god created us to love and serve each other and so we're happiest when we do that yeah is that and, makes and, is that what you're saying a hundred percent and then to add on to it it's it's the hard part about it though is figuring out the best way that you can help other people Right. That's the hard part. Helping other people is easy. Like I'm pretty good at math. I can go help somebody out with some pre-calc homework. I might be a little rusty. I haven't done pre-calc in a while, but I can help out. You know, I'm pretty good at math, but that is not the thing I'm called to do. It's finding that calling, finding that thing that optimally we're designed to do or called to do and bring out onto the world. That's the hard part. That's the tricky part. And that's where I feel like most people get lost. And so once you find that, then it's easy to live a fulfilled life or not easy. It's simple to live a fulfilled life because you know where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to be doing and where you're supposed to be. So I can help out a ton of people with math, but if I'm called to be a 
piano teacher, right? I'm not going to be living my most fulfilled life because it's not either fulfilled or unfulfilled. It's a spectrum, right? How fulfilled are we? And the closer we can get to doing what we're called to do, the higher in that fulfillment fulfillment spectrum, I believe we can get to and achieve. So let's, I want to talk about something else you said. You said that you feel right now, and this is what you're engaged in, that the fact that you've learned that you're naturally happy, you learn some of these things young, you have an understanding of and an implementation of limiting beliefs, and you've worked on, you know, you've actually done some work on that and all that sort of stuff, and you feel called right now to tell other people, to help other people learn this early in life, and you even talked about people younger than you, high school or, or college, and you're feeling that calling. So is that the thing you feel called to do right now? Yeah, it's something where I've always felt better helping others. I was always that, you know, I always had pretty good advice. I feel like I was always a pretty good listener. And so that's something that growing up and a lot of the things that we're supposed to be doing in life that we're, you know, we're called to do usually stem from something within us during our childhood and our upbringing. And a lot of times during that upbringing, we lose our true self. And so a lot of the work of, mindset is really figuring out who's that kid that we swept under the rug so many years ago because we became an adult right and so for me it's like helping other people something i genuinely always love to do when it came to like advice and you know how to use different things and then as i got older and i started to do more work and started to tap back into that it was like i genuinely enjoy this like and you show up differently it's a different level at which you operate at and other people can sense that Right. Other people can feel that and it comes across differently. And so for me, it's like, I feel called to do so and to help other people really because mainly, as I said, um, I think I mentioned this before we hit record, but so I'm a licensed realtor as well. I was doing an SMA, I was working at a restaurant, I'm doing all these different things at the same exact time. And one thing that I did consistently, although it wasn't going the best, was the podcast. And I was like, okay. That's something. And I learned from that, that procrastination may be the biggest blessing in disguise because a lot of times you procrastinate because it's hard, because it's uncomfortable, because we may not want to do it. But there's certain times where we procrastinate because what we're doing actually isn't in alignment with what we're meant to be doing. And recognizing that, which is what I did, was the biggest light bulb switch. And I was like, oh, that's why I haven't been making any progress. I've been trying to do everything under the sun. So once I started doubling down, on the show and helping others figure out what it is that they're meant to do. It was like, man, life just got so much simpler. And I just started doubling down and hammering that. So I want to dive into that learning what you're supposed to do. I know from my own life experience that there are things that we are called to do and that we agreed to do before we came here. But I think it feels like it's kind of a journey. And so when you were doing all these things at once, I guess my question is, is it a sudden moment where do you think it's a sudden moment where somebody suddenly learns or is it a process where we try this and this works and doesn't work and we gradually sort of get intuition and move us in the direction of what we should be doing until we get closer and closer and land on it and even refine it then? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. It's a, it's a, for example, like planning. It's There's a saying, right? We make plans, God laughs. And mm -hmm. so, but it's the art of planning, right? It's the art of figuring this out that is important. It's the process, it's the journey, 
and that a lot of people end up always forgetting. It's always a lot of people focus on the end goal. It really is the journey. And as you try to figure it out, there's a saying is when a student is ready, the teacher will show. And as you try to figure out your purpose, try to find your, that one calling that you have, the, the, the what you're supposed to help this world, like what's your best at, right? As you continually look for it and strive to make progress towards achieving it, the steps in front of you will become clearer and clearer. It's like driving in the middle of the night during a foggy night, right? There's a storm going. If you could only see as far as five feet, well, just keep driving along five feet at a time until you get to where you end up. But as you keep on moving forward, eventually the clouds will clear up and the sun will start to shine and you'll be able to see further off into the horizon and the roads will get a lot clearer and you'll know where you end up going. But there's a lot of foggy nights you'll have to drive through. And I'm still kind of just figuring that stuff out myself. Like I'm still in my journey real time. And as I figure it more and more out, I can see a little bit further ahead, but I'm not so focused on the, what is the exact very end goal? Cause for the time being, I'm not naive enough to think that I got it all figured out at this age. So it's like, I'm just going in the right direction as far as I can see and just keep on going that until things start to clear up and I start getting to where I eventually am destined to get to. Why do you suppose, uh, I love what you said about it is the journey. What does what does it is the journey? Why is it built that way? What benefit do we get from the truth that you spoke that it is the journey that matters more than the end goal? What happens on the journey that makes it so important? A lot of people right now aren't living. They're just breathing. And a lot of people die long before they kick the bucket because they they stop moving forward. And if you're not in continual pursuit of something, whatever it may be, you're essentially metaphorically pretty much dead, right? And it's the act of moving forward. It's the act of being in pursuit of something that gives us that joy, that gives us that meaning, right? That's why a lot of people, I, I was speaking to one guy, he's a lot older than me. And he was saying that, he felt like his purpose in life was to write this one book that he eventually ended up writing and released and published. And I was like, that's, that is a goal. If you can accomplish something in your lifetime, that is no more than a goal. And a goal was no more than just a checkpoint. You, you checked it off. You reached that point, right? A mission, your purpose is something that transcends you. It's something that you will never be able to accomplish in your lifetime. Like for me right now, my main focus is helping young adults. It's like no matter how many classes, courses, summits, podcast episodes, books, whatever I write and figure out with and come up with in the future that I do, I will never be able to help all the young people that come into this planet, that continue to come onto this planet. And so it's in pursuit of something that's bigger than you. My friend worded this a lot better than me, but we were talking right outside of the gym one time. It was like, there's 8 billion people in the world. That's 8 billion different worlds. So realizing that you are the center of your own world, but not the center of the world that spins, Right. And once you realize that, then you use the best of you to help serve the, the, the bigger world around us, right? And for me, as I said, helping young people, I will never be able to accomplish helping all the young people. But I know that I can continually be in pursuit of it. And as long as I'm in continual pursuit, I'm living. I couldn't agree more. You are. And I think the the refinement is in the journey not in the attainment of the goal and so that's we get refined we learn more stuff and things go 
smooth smoothly in our development, or maybe roughly, but we continue to be developed. So if you had to pick, oh, let's say three things, and it, three isn't an exact number, but pick three things maybe that are key to helping someone identify when they're stuck with an idea and what are three things that they can start to do today. They realize I'm stuck here in some fashion. What are three things that you would tell a young person, the folks or anyone for that matter, but folks that you work with or speak to about that? Yeah, I would ask these three questions in this order. So let's say, right, let's look at the bigger picture, right? Let's look from like, this is going to matter in a year, a thousand years, right? Not just today, tomorrow, like in the big picture scheme, right? Once you get in that framework of thinking of it like that, then the question that would ask is, let's say right now you just hit the Powerball. You win $1 billion tax-free. You never have to work a day in your life, right? So they have this one idea. Let's say they, they I don't know, want to start a... Uh, a barbershop, right? Let's say that's the idea. They want to start a barbershop. They're trying to figure out, should I start this? Should I not? It's like, or boom, now you just want a Powerball. You get a billion dollars into your bank account, just transferred over. What do you do now? You probably never have to work another day in your entire life now that you have a billion dollars. Assuming you don't buy a trillion mega yachts, you'll have money to pass on and then on and then on and then on forever, right? For, for a long time, at least. All right, what do you do after you start thinking about that? You spend some time reflecting. The next question is, boom, you get a phone call at doctor's office. Hey, um, test results just came back in. We actually have some news for you. Um, you only got five years left. So now a week after you win the Powerball, you get a billion dollars transferred over to your bank account. Now, you know, you realize you got five years left. Dang, I, you know, this barbershop, it's, it's a good idea, but I don't know. Um, I think maybe I need to spend more time with my family. There's places in the world I haven't seen before. Things start clarifying up a little bit, right? It starts getting a little clearer. It's like, oh, should I do the barbershop? I don't know. I, I mean, I'm just kind of doing it because my dad, but I don't know. And then you get another call. Um, Hey, I know we just laid some bad news on you last week, but um, we actually read the test results wrong. Um, you only have one day left. What do you do then? You just won a billion dollars. You never have to work a day in your life. But now you get a call saying that you only have a day left to spend your life. And then it'll become absolutely clear whether or not that barbershop is just an idea you thought of on a whim. Or is that something you actually feel called to do? And you may not get to a hard set answer right away. But the process of thinking of that makes puts things into perspective on the grand scheme of things into the bigger picture and from there things will start to clarify a lot more and then from there if you genuinely feel like cutting hair there's some people there's one guy i know um i don't know him personally but he built up a pretty big following actually through cutting people's hair on the street and random people that were homeless cutting their hair and just spreading a positive message and now he has a massive following. He's cutting hair for celebrities. So maybe cutting hair is that thing. But going through that three-step question process will help you really gain a lot of clarity as to, is this just something I'm doing on a whim? Or is this something I genuinely feel pulled and compelled to speak on or feel compelled to do? That's a great set of questions to frame something in a larger context. There's one other question that 
comes to mind when we talk about this ultimate life. A lot of people look on either social media or television or, you know, movies and stuff, and they see people that appear to have it all. And we go online and we see all kinds of advertisements to make a lot of money and get rich quick and do this and buy that and invest in Bitcoin or real estate or whatever. <laughs> Just do this, do that. And other people say, well, yeah, do what you love and the money will follow. And all of those things get said. And so the question, since we're talking about this ultimate life, this life of real fulfilled purpose, do you believe it's possible to live that way? Or is that all just hype? I think it's 100% possible to live that way. And that anyone who says otherwise is most likely trying to get you to buy their course, program, coaching, mentorship, seminar, whatever it may be, or book maybe even. But you can absolutely 100% find a way to monetize what you love to do. Now, making a living from it may be another story, but you can always, and it depends, for example, and, I'll, and this is where I'll bring in the concept of Ikigai because this is how it helped me out. And mm -hmm. so... But it all starts with what you love to do. That's that self-mastery part, right? Figuring out who you are, what you love to do, what would you do if you had a billion dollars and only had a day left, right? What do you love to do? What would you do if you never made a single penny of it, right? Because if you don't enjoy doing it, you'll never be fulfilled. You'll never live that ultimate life. So part of it is do you enjoy whatever it is that you're doing, right? Write out that list. And then step number two from there is what does the world need? If the world doesn't need it, you might not be able to get that much money from it, but it's something that you, as you said, it may be something that you've experienced. It may be going through, uh, helping people go through a breakup. It may be helping people go through the loss of a loved one. It may be, as I said, giving people haircuts, whatever it may be. But what does the world need, right? You make that list and only write down the things you feel compelled to speak on or compelled to do, right? Then step number three from there is what would you um what can you be rewarded for a lot of times we do charity work we do volunteering and that fulfills us yet we still have to keep the lights on we still have to put food on the table we still have to provide for those around us so how what can we be rewarded for and then the final step and some people have this second some people have this first and it depends but i like to put this last is what are you good at or what do you have the aptitude to be good at if you're someone that's very shy, very soft-spoken, maybe public speaking or podcasting isn't a thing for you. But if you're someone that loves to speak, if you're very energetic, if you're very well-spoken, well, maybe you need to get up on stage and start sharing your message. And so that exercise, that Ikigai, is something that I figured out. And for me, it's like with podcasting, what do I love to do? I love networking with people. I love talking to people. I love gaining new perspectives. So it's like a check the box. Then what does the world need? Seven out of 10 Americans can't afford... Um, are living paycheck to paycheck and about two thirds of Americans can't afford a $500 emergency expense. So the world definitely needs some financial literacy and some, you know, work around, you know, how to think and mindset and, and, and abundance. Then what, what can I be rewarded for? So with podcasting, it's something where you could have advertisements, you can have sponsorships, you could do, uh, use the podcast to get into coaching or some sort of mentorship. So you can be rewarded for podcasting. And then what am I good at? What do I have the aptitude to be good at? I love to speak. I am very energetic. I'm very passionate about a lot of these things. I, I love engaging with people. I'm a very extroverted person. So for me, that's the icky guy exercise I went through. A lot simple, more simplified, but that's how I got to feel like where I'm compelled to do and where I need to orient myself. 
And if you don't have one thing that checks all four boxes, well, start with what you love to do and figure it out from there and start checking things off. But you don't get anywhere by staying on a fence and not trying anything. You have to go out there and throw some darts at the wall. That's just exactly consistent with what you said about the journey refining us. So one of the things I absolutely want you to do is you've mentioned podcasting several times. I'm assuming you have one or perhaps more. I want you to tell all of the listeners exactly where to find you, what the name of your podcast is, what you do and how to learn more about you. And I'm saying this because you told me you're 21. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, sir. When I was 21, I didn't have the insight about working on uh, limiting beliefs. I didn't have the insight about uh, understanding, you know, the, how the past affects me. I was struggling deeply with this depression, which lasted for me for 35 years. And I didn't do anything about it till I was 52. So the fact that you have this to say, that you have this experience, that you've taken what some might consider difficult upbringing that you didn't know about till later, okay, <laughs> you know, that you've taken that and made a choice to help those around you. Uh, you said younger, but older, younger, it doesn't matter. The wisdom is timeless. So I want to tell us how to find everything about you. Tell us where to go. Tell us what your website is, what your podcast is, everything so people can see more of who you are being in the world. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you again for the opportunity, man. I genuinely enjoyed this conversation and the questions you asked us. It, it, it allowed me to think at a level that most people don't really get to hear or really think about. So thanks for the opportunity and the conversation. Uh, for anyone that wants to check out more of what I got going on, I definitely go to www.walktowealth.com. And that's with the number two, www.walktowealth.com. My main four pillars of things that I talk about there is mindset, because as we talked about today, if you don't master yourself, if you don't change your mindset, nothing else will follow after that. And personal finances, because if you don't master your own money, God forget, God forbid you get a big, you know, you win the Powerball, right? And you get that billion dollars, it'll be out the window tomorrow. So, uh, and then entrepreneurship, because owning a business is one of the best ways to live that ultimate life and not be your own boss and live life on your own terms and design the life that you want. And then real estate, because no matter what book you read about wealth building or legacy or whatever, there's going to mention investing in real estate some way, shape or form. So those are the four main pillars I talk about. And right now I'm on step three of the journey is uh, getting this entrepreneurship game kind of figured out so that I can then invest in person in uh, real estate. And so that's kind of what I've learned from talking to all the people that I've talked to so far. That's fabulous. Four pillars. First is mindset. Next is finances. Third is entrepreneurship. And fourth is investment. And your choice of investment is real estate. Yeah. So I agree. Walk to wealth with a numeral two in the middle there.com. So please go check out what John has to offer because I'm, I love John, you who you're being in the world. I love the words that you've said. It's clear to me you've read this and that and the other, but more importantly, it's also clear to me that you have internalized these things and that you're speaking from uh, a place of consistency, meaning this is who you are, and that's a good thing. So as a final thought, uh, what would you leave be with people? Because there's so much. There's war in Europe. There's inflation. There's, you know, we're finally out of COVID, I think, mostly, or whatever. And there's all this stuff going on. 
Uh, I was just on a lunch club meeting, which is an artificial intelligence networking platform online mm -hmm. this morning with a guy from Israel and he helps businesses, startups. And he was saying he thinks it's about like 2006, which is when you were just a youngster, but two <laughs> years before the great crash of real estate and everything. And so he thinks that's coming again. And people have a sense of all that. So in the midst of all that grumpy, cloudy, foggy, dark night, what's the final thing that you would share with us today? I'd say uh, I have a couple things, but I'll share this one because no matter whether life hits the fan or not, no matter how this all ends up playing out, no matter if everything just goes to nil and you know, all the investment brokers go bankrupt or whatever where we may be fed, uh, facing or not. Um, there's this one quote that I've stuck that stuck with me and it came from a freestyle. And the quote is, if life was easy, it wouldn't be worth living. God gives his best soldiers the worst mission. So internalize that no matter what we end up facing, no matter what we end up going through, whatever trials, tribulations, war, famine, whatever they got going on, climate control, global warming, whatever it is going on, just know that we are meant and we are designed specifically to not only survive whatever we're going through, but then to transcend that and prosper in spite of it all. So know that we are designed to be able to flourish despite all of this and just stick it out, stay strong and find those like you that are on the same path, are on the same mission and everything will end up working out. You know, I didn't have anywhere near that wisdom at your age. I'm grateful for that. And I agree with it 100%. Doesn't matter where you are, what's happened before, just keep going. There is a positive way. There is a path. And learning the things that you've shared with us today is really important. John, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for the opportunity. I want you to go back and listen to this again a couple of times. And I want you to be amazed like I am and grateful at the same time amazed that we have a youngster here youngster for me i've got kids that are twice his age that knows these things and grateful that that is true because then that means the power and the ability to make things happen exists today and that will help you as you move forward to create your ultimate life open your heart in this time Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the sky and your